just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. Welcome back to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your day is going well. We're into a weekend now. Hopefully things will settle down. Things will go a little bit easier. You get a chance to relax, maybe do something fun. I try to do that on the weekends. Hell, I try to do it all goddamn week. I'm technically retired every day's fucking Saturday for me. <laughs> Not quite, but uh, I like to think so. Now, you may have noticed that the podcast from yesterday was released a little later than normal. And that's because I was running into some technical problems. And I still, for the life of me, don't understand what it was. Things weren't loading up uh, properly. Everything had gone well until I had to load it up. And then it got all weird on me. Uh, I'm not sure what was going on. And we'll see if I have similar problems with this podcast. If you hear it, clearly I figured it out. Now, you have to understand, I am an old guy. But that doesn't mean I'm not technically adept or even computer literate. Remember, I used to own a recording studio. And the one thing about recording studios, you got a lot of wires, you got a lot of machines, you got a lot of things going on. At least you did back in my day. And when things would break down, you'd have to track it back and figure it out and get it up and running. Because when it's not running, you're not making money. So uh, I became very adept at trying to weed problems out and trying to fix them. And I always did pretty well with it. And even with computers in my business, I use computers a lot. I use social media. I use video. I used audio. I used email and all those sorts of things. So I'm pretty comfortable with computers too. So it's not like I walked into this and said, oh my God, I don't know what's going on. I know how to look for it. But for the life of me, I didn't find out what the problem was. I could see where the problems were cropping up, but I couldn't see what was causing it. So I messed around with it for a little bit, got it to work, got it out there, and you got the podcast a bit late, but you got it nonetheless. So hopefully this one will go without a hitch and we won't have those problems because then I'll be up very late and uh, it will be a pain in the ass. But I'll figure it out. As I always tell you, I'm always anxious to hear from you by way of email or voicemail. You can email me directly at rationalboomer at gmail.com, or you can go to anchor.fm, find the Rational Boomer podcast, and leave me a voicemail. My favorite shows are the ones when people interact, because as I've said, you folks have a lot of good ideas. You have different insights than I do, and uh, that certainly adds to the program. So, Yesterday, I got an email, and I want to read that to you. This is somebody we haven't heard from before. Um, and don't don't think that I'm giving crap to those people that email me multiple times. That's fine. Whenever you have something to say, email me, whether it's the first time or the hundredth time. I don't care. I want to hear from you. So anyway, this one comes from Kevin. He says, hey, Mike, just wanted to take the time and send an email to say thanks. Long story short, I'm 43, never into politics, even kind of rooted for Trump in 16 because it was better than crooked Hillary. 
Once the pandemic hit, I lost someone close pretty early on, and it opened my eyes to what a terrible job Donald Trump did handling the pandemic. And then I was off to the races. Just found the podcast, and I love it. Thank you very much. You have a way of putting a positive spin on things. <laughs> yeah, normally I tend to be skepti- skeptical that Trump will pay, but listening to you, I am hopeful. I am a mixed-race American who grew up in Connecticut, not the nice parts. So I've seen racism, tyrant cops, and all of the other unpleasant things that can happen to someone like me. I guess I say all that to just say thanks. It's refreshing to see your TikToks and enjoy the podcast. I know you say sometimes you mention emails on the show. I don't mind if you mention it or don't mention it. I'll leave that up to you. Have a good day, Mike. His name is Kevin. He says, you may see me on TikTok under dude with a tude. It's dude underscore with underscore a underscore and T-U-D-E. You might want to check him out on TikTok. I know I will be too. And uh, Kevin, I appreciate the, 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 the note. And to be perfectly honest with you, there probably were a lot of people in 2016 were just tired of Hillary Clinton or the Clintons in general and uh, only saw Donald Trump as this reality star. He's kind of a loud talking, um, in your face, blunt, old white guy. (laughs) Kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? Anyway. People saw saw him as maybe something refreshing after dealing with the establishment uh, in politics all these years. What that what that election showed us was that people were just getting fed up and tired of the same old bullshit in government, and I can relate to that. I am too. And to be perfectly honest with you, I was not a Hillary Clinton fan. I didn't think she was well liked enough to win. In fact, I bet with somebody. This was in 2016. Now. I will tell you up front, never in my wildest dreams did I want Donald Trump to win. But I saw what was going on, and I made a bet with somebody, and I said, I bet you Trump wins. Now, this was a Trump fan I was talking to, and they said, no way he's ever going to win. No way he's going to get through. Well, clearly I won the bet, and that is the one bet I wish I hadn't won because I had no idea. I mean, I knew this guy wasn't smart, and I knew he wasn't going to be a good president. I had no idea how destructive he would be. But like Kevin here, I'm sure a lot of people thought this was a breath of fresh air and had hope. Give him a chance. Let's see what he can do. Here's somebody different. Maybe he can do a better job. Well, he disappointed a lot of people. I mean, people with average or above intelligence, those uneducated folks, uh, they're happy as hell about him. But clearly he did some damage to uh, this country. And uh, I'm glad Kevin's eyes were opened. I'm sorry that you had to lose someone close to you to finally get your eyes open. But you're there now. And uh, you're fighting the good fight. You know, that's, that, that's the fucking thing about it. There are 900,000 people that died from COVID. And it was largely due to the fact that our president at the time, Donald Trump, mishandled it. He ignored it. He called it a hoax. He hid information. He did nothing. And that caused the pandemic to grow to the size that it did. And when it grew to that size, it got out of control. Even he was probably surprised by that. And 900,000 people died. 
There can't be very many people in this country that haven't been touched by a COVID death. Either a friend, a family member, a neighbor, somebody you work with. Everybody has to be touched by this. Remember how tragic for us older people it was with Vietnam and those poor young soldiers that died in Vietnam? You know how many people died in Vietnam? 50,000 people. That is horrific, but it's minuscule compared to the people that died of COVID. That's the immensity of what happened with this pandemic and how many people were affected. Not just the people that died, but the people that loved those people that died. That is an eye-opener, and it's surprising that there are some people that still haven't gotten their eyes open. I've seen people that have lost somebody from COVID and were anti-vaxxers, and even after their loved one died, they're still anti-vaxxers. Now, these are people that are clearly brainwashed or limited intellectually because it's absolutely ridiculous. It's amazing to imagine somebody still having that mindset after somebody close to them has died. So, Kevin, thank you for opening up your eyes. And you said something else here that was um, was interesting. You have a way of putting a positive spin on things. And, yeah, I do. I do. And I don't do that... Um, I don't do I don't I don't do that just to make you feel better. I mean, I think anytime you do anything in life, you got to have a positive outlook. I believe any problem you have, there is an angle to fix it. I'm also a firm believer in destiny. You know, I believe everything does turn out for the best if you allow it to. Now, there'll be a million people that say to me, oh, no, it always turns out bad for me. But it's because you lack faith. And I'm not even talking about faith in God. I'm talking about faith in yourself. What I've learned about bad things in life, they hurt you at the time, and oftentimes you learn some things. I was talking to my son about this the other day. You know, I made a lot of mistakes. I've uh, had a lot of failures in my life, like anybody my age would. I said, but what that's done has made me smarter. It's given me experiences that I can pass on to other people that maybe they can avoid those mistakes or those failures. That's why some of the young people need to talk to us old people. I always took that tact. I had a father I never really talked to much after a certain age. When I got to be a young man and I was married and I had kids and I had a house, there was a lot of things going on. I had no fucking clue what to do with it. I didn't have a father to go talk to about it. But I worked with some gentlemen that were older, and I always tapped them for information. I tapped them for what they did when they were in that same situation. And I got to tell you, it was immensely helpful. If I can hear a story about somebody who did exactly what I was doing and either failed or had success, I can learn from that. And it helped me through the problem. You got to sit back and kind of analyze things. And the reason why it sounds like I have a positive spin on things is because I think everything can work in a positive way. I think it's intended to work in a positive way. But you got to sit back, relax, not freak out. Look at the situation. Look at all the facts and then figure out how you can get around this situation. Because you can. I mean, 
I talk to people, and they're all upset and concerned and worried about stuff. And I said, don't worry. Just keep pushing forward. You'll get through this, and you'll get out on the other side. And they say, how can you say that? How do you know what's going to happen? I say, well, I know this because I'm 61 years old. I've gone through every traumatic, tragic situation any human can go through. And you know what? I'm still here. I'm happy. I'm comfortable doing what I want to do. So if I can push through all that bullshit, so will you. All the time you spend worrying about it is just wasted time, and it impacts what you're doing now. If you worry about what happened in the past, it's going to fuck up what you're doing now. So don't do that. It's very simple. Anyway, there's me pontificating again. (laughs) Sorry, man, I can't help myself sometimes. I'm an old man who's learned some shit, and I got to give it out there. A lot of you older folks know all this shit anyway, but hopefully between us we can get some of the younger folks to actually listen to it. All right, let's talk about some things in the news, and there's a lot of shit in the news. A lot of shit in the news. Donald Trump just keeps losing in court. I mean, case after case after case. He's either trying to hide evidence, as in the National Archives, or he's trying to get cases dismissed. Now, there are seven lawsuits filed against him for his part in the January 6th insurrection. He believes he has immunity because he was president, the old executive privilege. Well, as I've said, we've gone through that once or twice, and... uh, Even the Supreme Court says, yeah, no, you don't. No, you don't. You don't have executive privilege. Only the sitting president has executive privilege. So shut up about it and do what you need to do. Release the documents or no, you're not going to get this case dismissed. And that happened yesterday. A judge uh, disagreed with Donald Trump's claim of immunity and said on that day he was acting as a failed candidate. So when he was on that stage, essentially inciting the crowd, he wasn't acting as president. He was acting as a failed candidate. That is what the judge said. And he denied his request to dismiss the cases. He will have to testify. And if he loses, he'll have to go into his pocket, pull out his checkbook, and start writing personal fucking checks. And this is something Donald Trump does not like. He wants to avoid all these things. you got to understand, there's a lot of court cases around him, a lot of investigations into him personally and in his administration. How many, you say? Well, he's got 19 legal cases against him. Six are financial cases. Seven are January 6th cases. Two are election interference cases. One is sexual misconduct cases. And three others are various and sundry cases. He's got 19 cases against him, 19 investigations going against him. And do you think that's going to... uh, Way heavy on Donald Trump? Oh, you bet it is. Donald Trump is an emotional guy. And in these times, with this much trouble in front of him, he's going to be emotional, and he's going to freak out, and he's going to get upset. He's never been in this position before. He's always been able to control everything around him. He's able to. He's always been able to bully his way through, but it seems 
it seems that nobody's stepping back. Everybody's up in his face, and he's losing his shit about this. I mean, the fact of the matter is is that it's one thing to have an indictment. You know, like Richard Nixon, he only had one or two things that people were coming at him with. He got pardoned, of course. But Donald Trump has at least 19 cases going against him. Criminal and civil cases. Cases that could put him in jail. Cases that could pretty much bankrupt him for the seventh time. So Donald Trump's carrying a lot of weight. Here's another example. If you think you're having a bad life and things aren't going for you, think about Donald Trump. you got to be better off than that fuck. So anyway, now we know that Donald Trump stole 15 boxes of government documents. We know this is true because the National Archives said it was true and they had to go down and get them. Now this is a clear violation of the Presidential Records Act. That's a law. You violate that act, you can be um, fined up to $10,000 and put in jail for three years. Now, he's got multiple violations here, so God knows how high it could go as far as, as, far as a fine and as far as time in jail. It'll be interesting to see. But the thing that kicks this thing up a notch We heard the rumors, and now we find out it's true that some of the documents in these 15 boxes were classified or top-secret documents. This is something that puts at risk the security of this country. And over and above the Presidential Records Act, this takes it up a notch. This makes it more serious, almost treasonous. So Donald Trump's in a lot of trouble here. Now, what the National Archives did, they say they've been worried about Donald Trump's handling of documents while in the White House for years, at least four or five years. And and uh, they've been very upset about it. Now that he's out of office and they're getting these documents and they're finding some are torn, some are shredded, some are burned, some are flushed down a toilet, some are eaten— I still don't know about that one. I keep hearing about that, that Donald Trump is eating documents. I find that hard to believe since he's such a germaphobe, but who the fuck knows? Donald Trump is fucking nuts, and I wouldn't put anything past him at this point. So now what the National Archives has done, they've referred him to the DOJ. And now the DOJ has referred it to a um, uh, the inspector general. Now, if you look at this, this may be the first thing that gets Donald Trump. I think Letitia James in New York is right behind him. But if the DOJ does what they're supposed to do, this should be a clear-cut case. I mean, the evidence is there. The documents are there. Whether he has classified or not, we know for a fact that Donald Trump tore up documents, shredded documents, burned documents, flushed documents down the toilet. We have verification of this. And if that weren't enough, we know for a fact that Donald Trump took 15 boxes out of the White House and brought them down to Mar-a-Lago. Now, this is a clear violation. There's no question about it. Whether they were classified or top secret or not makes no difference. He already broke the law. 
it's been referred to the DOJ. Now, the DOJ has to do something, so they did. They sent it to the inspector general, who's kind of a nonpartisan investigator. This person will do an investigation, go back to the DOJ and say, yeah, we need to indict this guy and we need to charge him. I know we're worried about Merrick Garland, whether he's going to do something or not. And I've said this before. He's in a situation now where he really has no choice. I mean, this is so blatant, so flagrant, and so much a danger to this country. If he doesn't do something about it, it would be far worse than if he did nothing. We know the reason why attorneys general don't like to prosecute presidents because it turns into a big shit show. And then when the other party gets in power, then they do it to that president. And we spend every presidential term in turmoil and they're prosecuting each other. We certainly don't want that. But at the same time, we can't have a president undermining democracy, trying to overthrow the government. That's a bridge too far. And if Merrick Garland is worried about the political ramifications of charging a president, he's really got to look at the ramifications or potential ramifications of not charging this person. Because if these things aren't, if Donald Trump isn't held accountable for these things, it's going to open the door for any other president in the future, Democrat or Republican. They're going to say, well, it's not right to do this, but nothing's going to happen to me, so I'm going to fucking do it. So as much as there might be a mess going back and forth and prosecuting presidents when each side gets power, it's going to be even more problematic if they do nothing about it. So I think Merrick Garland's in a tough spot. He needs to do something with this. He needs to take action, and at least he sent it to the inspector general. That is at least the first step. Now, we've heard nothing from the DOJ or from the inspector general as yet. That's not surprising. They're doing an investigation. They're not going to give out a lot of information. They're just not going to do that. But in my mind, this may be the first thing that they nailed Donald Trump on because it's a more minor crime than some of these other that are being looked into. And it's pretty clear and obvious, not only the DOJ, not only the Inspector General and Congress and the National Archives, but we all know because we're seeing it. We're seeing it on television, on the Internet and such. So this would be an easy one to prosecute. And the thing is, I've always said this, is that with 19 different investigations going on, in realistic terms, In order to kick the wheels off this bus and stop it permanently, we only need one indictment. We only need one indictment. That's going to throw Donald Trump's life into a tizzy. Now, don't get me wrong. It's already pretty fucked up. He's in rough shape. His business is virtually gone because of all the things that are going on. And um, we're going to talk about some of the problems he has with his business a little later on. But we're at a point right now where Donald Trump is overwhelmed. He's dealing with insurmountable odds. He's got a lot of problems, and he's got no real good answers. He can't say, oh, me tearing up documents and stealing documents is fake news, because everybody knows it's not. The ironic thing is, or the thing that will show you how desperate 
Donald Trump and his Trump LaFucks are, is that the only thing they can go to now, the only way they can try to divert this, is by going back after Hillary Clinton, for Christ's sake. That is so pitiful, I can't even imagine. Now, Hillary Clinton is a private citizen. She hasn't been in the thick of things since 2016. He's claiming that she and the Democrats spied on him. Well, let's see if we can remember. Didn't Donald Trump win 2016? So what is he bitching about? That's all he's got to bitch about. It's absolutely ridiculous. Besides, if you looked at the 2016 election, we now know that Russia was involved and was meddling and was trying to benefit Donald Trump. So if anybody if anybody cheated in the 2016 election, it had to be Donald Trump. And it makes more sense because he fucking won. To have to go back to Hillary Clinton is just laughable. It tells me they've got nothing, that they're flailing, and they're done. They're just fucking done. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all shakes out. We'll be watching it, of course, and we'll let you know uh, what we find out. And uh, we're just going to laugh with a smirk on our face and uh, watch Donald Trump go down the toilet (laughs) with those government documents. All right, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. All right, this Russian-Ukraine crisis is still going on. Vladimir Putin has 150,000 troops essentially surrounding the Ukraine. He's got medical supplies. He's got weaponry. He's got blood supplies. He keeps saying he's not going to attack. He's trying to sell that uh, Ukraine is being aggressive against them or NATO is being aggressive against them. First of all, NATO has never been aggressive against anybody. And Ukraine, are you fucking kidding me? This little country is going to pick a fight with Russia? That's absolutely ridiculous. Now, here's the interesting thing. People have talked about the false flags that they might be doing or, or showing, and they're kind of already doing that. You see, if you look at the media in Russia, they're talking about, they're telling people in Russia that uh, Ukraine is the aggressor. They're amassing troops on the border. And that they are committing genocide on Russian people that are living in the Ukraine. Now, none of that is true. And the reason we know it's not true is because there are reporters there. And they're taking pictures. If anything like that was happening, we'd know about it. There'd be no reason for the media to hold that back. That would be a big score for them, and they would be reporting it. It would turn this into a bigger turmoil. But you see, Vladimir Putin is there, and now he has to look better to the Russian people so he doesn't lose face. So he's talking about all these things. Now, some people will say he's doing this to give him a reason to attack. And I don't believe that. Because you can fool 
the Russian people because that's all they see, but the rest of the world knows exactly what's going on. What I believe he's trying to do is trying to make it better so when he pulls back he looks like a hero and a peacenik as opposed to a warmonger. He can pull out of there and uh, still look good. That's absolutely essential to him. He's into gaslighting. He's into what people think of him. That sound familiar? Tells us where Donald Trump got his training uh, from Vladimir Putin, who got his training from the KGB. Both these guys are fucking pieces of work. I've continued to say that I don't think Russia will invade the Ukraine. Why it's still going on, I don't know. And why Joe Biden is out there saying, it's imminent, it's going to happen, it's going to happen tomorrow, then it doesn't happen, it's going to happen soon, then it doesn't happen. Now, I'm fully capable of being wrong about this. And if I am wrong about it, I will admit it, and I'll acknowledge I was wrong. But if you look at all the facts, there's no reason for Russia to go into the Ukraine. They have way too much to lose. They can't help but looking look bad. This was just a, a chess play by Vladimir Putin to get power or to get some of his da- demands met. And uh, he's not having much luck with that because his bullying tactics aren't working. And I'm sure he's confused. Now he's in over his head. Now he's trying to figure out what he's going to do. Now, People will say when you hear these reports in Russia that he's just setting it up so that he has a reason to go in and attack the Ukraine. I disagree with that because, as I said, you can fool the Russians if you want, but the rest of the world knows the truth. And Vladimir Putin has to deal with the rest of the fucking world. I think he's just trying to set it up so that he looks good when he goes back, that he doesn't look like a chicken, that he doesn't look like a coward, which is what he is. But this is all playing out, and it's very stressful, and people are upset. But again, if he was going to do this, knowing Vladimir Putin and the Russian country, they would have already done it. Why would you do it without with so much notice and so much fanfare about, I'm going to do it. You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of when I was a little kid, and I'd be in the back seat with my brother, who was a year younger. And, of course, because I was the older brother, I'd want to taunt him. (laughs) That was my job, man. i got to taunt my younger brother. He and I are best of friends right now, so don't worry about it. We're not taunting each other now. But back then... Remember, maybe some of you have done this. You know, you'd be pushing each other back and forth, and mom would say, don't touch your brother, don't touch your brother. And, of course, you didn't want to get in trouble with mom because mom was scary. And so, and dad was worse, so you didn't want to fuck with him while you were in the car. But you couldn't help yourself. You still had to do something. So I'd take my finger and put it about a quarter inch from his face, and i go, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. Still bugged the shit out of him, but I wasn't touching him. Technically, I couldn't get in trouble. Well, the fact is, I still did get in trouble for being an asshole. So I stopped doing that. But that's kind of what's going on with uh, with Vladimir Putin. I'm not going to attack the Ukraine, but he's got all these troops around surrounding the country. He's looking like he's ready to fight, but I'm not fighting. I'm not fighting. <laughs> he's playing a game here, and I hope I'm right 
that uh, he will not invade the Ukraine. And, and as I say, I don't understand why Joe Biden continually tells everybody, oh, it's coming, it's coming. Why would you want to whip that up? Unless there's some strategy dealing some psychological bullshit with Vladimir Putin. And that I could understand. But unfortunately, you're whipping up the whole country. You're whipping up people in Ukraine, maybe even in Russia, unnecessarily, if they don't, in fact, attack. We have to wait and see. I've been saying this for several weeks. We got to wait and see what happens. But as of yet, nothing has happened. Okay, here's a fun story. So Mike Lindell was going to show his love for the Freedom Convoy truckers in Canada. Oh, he loved those folks, even though they got hauled out of there. But they were anti-vaxxers, anti-maskers, and he wanted to show his love for these folks. So he decided to send them 10,000 my pillows, those shitty fucking pillows that, uh, that he sells. So he puts them on a truck and sends them to the border to give these freedom fighters, these freedom convoy truckers, 10,000 pillows. Oh, what a great thing he could do by doing that. And it wasn't enough to just to make the gesture. He had to send a film crew, too. You know, so he could create some more fucking propaganda for his shit. Um, Unfortunately, (laughs) this is the funny part. Unfortunately, they couldn't get across the border to give them the uh, pillows. (laughs) Yeah, apparently uh, some of the crew wasn't vaccinated and Canada wasn't going to let them across. God bless him. He tries so hard, but every time he fails. I think we all had a friend like that when we were young. We had a, I had a friend. His name was Daryl. Great guy. Loved the guy. But everything he did got fucked up. Everything he did. He was a hapless loser. But we loved him. He was our friend. He was part of the group. He was that. But you couldn't help but pick it on the guy because everything he did, everything he said was absolutely ridiculous. Now, that was when we were 16 or 17 years old. Now, I know Daryl still today at 61, and guess what? Hasn't fucking changed a bit. He's still the same way, still the dipshit, still gets shit from all of his friends, and it never, ever changes. And clearly, that's, that's what it's kind of like for Mike Lindell, because everything he does fails. Oh, I got the evidence. He does a telethon, and there's no evidence. Oh, Donald Trump's coming back in. Oh, JFK Jr.'s coming back in. I've got all the evidence. We're going to shake up the world. The Supreme Court will vote 9-0 for us. None of it's ever happened. Now, you would think somebody who's gone through all of that would say, okay, I'm fucking embarrassed now. I'm just going to go away and uh, not talk. Maybe they will forget about me. Not Mike Lindell. That dumb fuck keeps going. He makes one claim that doesn't come true, and he just makes another claim. And he's still doing it today. But his little gift to the um, Freedom Convoy in Canada didn't quite work out. Because they were sitting up there protesting the vaccination mandate. And when he cleared it out, the police cleared it out. He didn't think that, uh, fuck, maybe we need to be vaccinated to get to Canada to give them these pillows. It's, it's fucking absolutely absurd. But that is Mike Lindell. 
Let's talk about another dipshit, uh, Elmer Stewart Rhodes. Of course, he is the head of the Oath Keepers and one of the leaders of the insurrectionists that were arrested, and he was arrested and jailed. Now, a lot of them got low-level crimes because that's what they committed. We know that when they started prosecuting people with the insurrection, they started out with the low-level crimes and started working themselves up. Well, by the time they got to Elmer Stewart Rhodes, they charged him with seditious conspiracy. You get to sedition, that's some pretty serious shit. Now, nobody can say, like the Republicans were saying, well, how can it be sedition if nobody's been charged with sedition? Well, Elmer and a few other people have now been charged with sedition. We know this. But tough guy Elmer's in jail right now, and uh, he's not liking it. He's not feeling it. So he's gone to the judge a couple of times and said, Hey, I'm a safe guy. I'm an upstanding man. You should let me out of jail on bail while I'm awaiting trial. Now, the first time he tried it, His ex-wife stood up and said, oh, no, you don't want to let this fucking guy out. He's violent. Oh, and by the way, he's got a bunch of tunnels dug in the backyard so he can escape if he needs to. (laughs) Well, clearly, clearly the judge said, yeah, no, you're staying in jail. Well, he tried for a second time. And once again, the judge wasn't feeling the commitment to being a decent guy. So he's keeping him in jail. The judge said he was not convinced that he wasn't a flight risk, but he was convinced that Elmer was a clear and convincing danger to the general public if released. My God, Elmer, I thought you were a patriot. Now we've got a judge that says you're a danger to the country you claim to be a patriot of. Again, we're dealing with another dipshit. He goes and leads the charge with an insurrection. He's the leader of a terrorist group, a domestic terrorist group, and he thinks somehow, some way, they're going to release him on bail while he's awaiting trial, like this guy is going to stick around or this guy isn't going to do something else stupid. Fortunately, the judge knew better, and the judge wasn't going to let him out. So poor old Elmer, still sitting in a jail cell tonight, and good fucking riddance, that's where you belong. If you go up against and try to overthrow this country, you belong in jail, and you should stay in jail regardless. And if you're thinking you're going to get off of this, that you're going to be found not guilty, don't bet it on on it, Elmer. They've got too much evidence against you. All right. uh, Apparently, Donald Trump's political action committee is doing a little grifting for Donald Trump. You see, the Political Action Committee spent $375,000 to rent office space in Trump Tower. Yeah, they rented office space in Trump's building so that Trump then can put that money in his pocket. Sounds like money laundering to me, doesn't it? You take political money, campaign type of money, and instead of giving it straight to Donald Trump, you put it into his property pay rent, and then it does go back ultimately in Donald Trump's pocket. But here's the crazy thing about it. They've rented all this space for $37,000 a month for this political action committee. 
But guess what? The political action committee isn't there. This fucking office space is empty. So this was little more than a grift. In fact, uh, one advisor of Donald Trump's said it's a huge scam. He says this is one of many grifts. $37,000 a month up to $375,000 already paid for office space that nobody inhabits that goes into the uh, income of the Trump Tower, which Donald Trump directly is responsible for. This is illegal as far as using campaign funds, and it is also illegal because it's money laundering, and that's Donald Trump all the way. Now, one of the reasons he's probably doing this is because he's got problems on the horizon with Trump Tower, his crown jewel, Trump Tower, downtown New York City, Manhattan. Well, he's got a $100 million loan that is coming due in September. You know, we're talking six months off, seven months off, whatever it is, less than a year. It's coming due for $100 million. Now, he's going to have to pay that, or somebody's going to take that fucking building away. Now, the one thing I will tell you about Donald Trump when it comes to these things, and one of the things he's used in the past, remember that movie, Too Big to Fail? You know, where this bank, during the 2008 crash and all that stuff, they were too big to fail because they had too much money. And if they crashed and died, nobody would get any money. Yeah, this is kind of a similar situation, or at least this is how banks treat it. So Donald Trump owes $100 million. Now, if he defaults on this, then theoretically the bank gets nothing. So what they may do is come to him and say, "Look, uh, we know you're in trouble. We know you're, we, but we want to get some money out of this. So we'll let you out of it for fifty million. I don't know if that even helps Donald Trump, to be perfectly honest with you. But that's what could happen. That's what happens to Donald Trump all his life. He's used that before. Well, I'm going to fail. You guys are all going to lose money. Thanks for fucking nothing. But then they say, wait, 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 wait a minute." If you just fail, then we lose all our money. So now they have to feel like they have to deal with Donald Trump. And we'll see if that happens in these cases, because he's got another $400 million after that coming due over the next few years. He's got half a billion dollars minimum that he is going to be required to pay in fairly short order. And frankly, he's not in the business to be able to do that. Every one of his business is losing money. Trump Tower, for example, that's fucking losing uh, occupants every day. Just heard a story about Christian Ronaldo, the soccer player. Yeah, he has a uh, an apartment in the Trump Tower, paid $18 million for it. Guess what he did just the other day? He sold that motherfucker. And you know what he sold it for? $9 million. <laughs> He sold it for 50% of its value because he saw that it's going down the fucking tubes. He just wanted to get out from underneath it and get some money out of it. So that's something we can look forward to with the banks. They may play some games here so they get something. But it's a matter of whether or not Donald Trump has anything at all. As I said before, they might start taking property because that's all they've got left to do. Donald Trump's in a lot of trouble. He's in legal trouble. He's in financial trouble. And uh, 
he's in debt trouble because he's got a lot of money that he owes and no real way to pay it. Now, people will say, yeah, but those Trumplicans will keep sending them money. Yeah, but that's been kind of slowing down a little bit. You know, even these stupid fucks are saying, I keep sending this guy money. He's a billionaire, but I don't get anything in return. That can only last so long. It's not going to last indefinitely. Donald Trump is essentially, by way of uh, of his business, is changing his business model. He's essentially getting out of the property business because he has to. He's either going to have to sell it or lose it. Uh, so now he's just basing his business on social media, hoping against hope that his social media app will take off and there'll be all kinds of money. Well, let's be honest, he has a lot of investors here just because of his name. Why they're doing this, I don't know, because they're going to take a bath once he goes down. But he's also in the business of politics. That's what he's using for his business model. He's taking his political point of view, and he's trying to monetize it. And oddly enough, it's working. But it's only going to work so long, you can't keep taking people's money and give nothing back. Eventually, even the dumbest of us will realize, well, this is fucking ridiculous. I'm not going to do that anymore. All right, the last story we're going to talk about is one that's close to home, at least close to home for me, because it's here in Minnesota. You remember Kim Potter. She is a police officer for Brooklyn Center. Now, Brooklyn Center is in the northern suburbs, northwest suburbs, something like that. It's not Minneapolis, but it's just outside Minneapolis. Now, you'll remember her because she's the one that shot and killed Dante Wright. And the way she did it is she grabbed for her taser, but she inadvertently, so she says, grabbed her gun. Now, clearly, there's no comparison between a taser and a gun, but somehow she couldn't tell the difference. She pointed at Dante Wright. Things were getting a little chaotic, and things were... um, uh, getting a little scary, at least for the police officers. This is what I've said about police officers before. We've got racists and we've got uh, people that are just violent, but we've also got a bunch of people that don't have the emotional wherewithal to be police officers. They get in tight situations and they panic. They shoot first and ask questions later. And we can't afford to have people like that as police officers in our country. Well, of course, she was arrested and indicted and stood trial, and she was convicted. That's the good news of it all. But today, yesterday, actually, she was sentenced, and her sentence was two years. Two fucking years? Are you kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? There's going to be a lot of backlash over this. I hope in Minneapolis we don't see some of the riots or anything like that, but I can understand why people would be mad. There are kids that had marijuana or some other minor uh, infractions who are spending longer time in jail than this woman will for killing a young black man, an innocent young black man. That is upsetting. And it's like uh, police officers in Minnesota don't learn. You'll remember that... uh, um, This happened with Kim Potter during the trial of Derek Chauvin and the killing of George Floyd. You would think after seeing the George Floyd thing, you might be a little more careful, but Kim Potter wasn't because she panicked. 
And then you would think after that they would learn after Kim Potter, but no, now we have this situation where a police officer shot and killed Amir Locke. Not only was he innocent, he was the wrong guy, it was the wrong apartment, and they fucked up. And then the Minneapolis Police Department and the St. Paul Police Department try to cover it up. This is what we're dealing with in this country. When you start killing innocent people, that's something that can't be accepted. And if you try to cover it up, you should be held to the fire, your feet to the fire as well. This is a huge problem in our country and clearly a huge problem in Minnesota. This needs to change. Because if you want to talk about uprisings, if you keep killing innocent people willy-nilly, there is going to be a huge backlash. And I don't want to see that because more people will get injured. More people will be killed. But you can't just be doing this. Our police departments have to be better than this. And that's why I've said what we need is a better quality of police officer. We need to have better training, a better um, screening of these people who you are giving the job to. And then there has to be accountability. Without those things, you just have some thugs out there doing whatever the fuck they want. People say, well, they're good people, too, on the police force. And technically, that's true. But you only need a few to wreck the whole department. And then if you have the few that are wrecking the department and all these alleged good cops aren't saying anything, well, they're just as culpable as well. So don't tell me there's good cops. Because maybe in their hearts and what they mean to do is good, but they won't go against their fellow cop who happens to be a criminal. And that makes them a problem as well. All right, we're going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for spending time, taking the time to listen. I appreciate it immensely. And we'll hope against hope that I don't have any technical problems and I'll get this thing up on time. One way or another, it'll be there. So stick with me here. You have a great day. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time. Next time.